Welcome to my podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Kane, a naturopathic doctor with a master's in clinical psychology and a former anxiety sufferer turned anxiety freedom rebel. This is Dr. Nicole, and oh my gosh, we have such a treat today. We are doing a conversation interview with one of my favorite humans, and her name is Tara, and she is one of the kindest, most beautiful, brilliant souls, and the work that she's doing in this world is just mind-boggling. And I want to read to you just really quickly from her bio so you can get just a snapshot of the cool stuff that we're doing and also at the end, we're going to talk about how you can learn more about all the cool stuff she's doing, how you can work with this amazing, brilliant babe. And so make sure you check out the show notes, stick around to the end. You are not going to want to miss this. And so Tara began building organizations when she was 18 while in college at Arizona State University. She founded her first, not her second, third, like she kept going. She founded her first not-for-profit, her junior year, Basketball Beyond the Barrio, which supported underprivileged children in learning life skills and becoming exposed to culture through basketball camps. So cool, babe. Since then, she has founded two additional not-for-profits, four companies, and is a national speaker, Brilliance by Lifestyle Visionary, and currently the chief plant aficionado at Brilliant Planet. I cannot wait to hear more about that. She utilizes methods of tuning into oneself, high-frequency energy, activated nutrition, and earth reconnection to grow her current organization and to support clients worldwide in activating and living their true potential. But it doesn't stop there. Through her private practice and eco-destination and speaking presentations, she connects the relationship between our internal and external environments to elevate and optimize living through consciousness and embodiment of inner power, resulting in living the best life ever. And oh my gosh, there's, there's even more, you guys. Keep listening. She shares applicable tools that merge ancient wisdom and modern technology in her supporting people to quickly, with ease and grace, break through the old and create the future they want. She is known as the one you must work with by many of her clients, and I can definitely echo that. And so you guys, I am honored and delighted to introduce you to my girl, Tara. Thank you so much, sister, for being here. Oh my gosh, such a pleasure. Hey, you guys, I'm so happy to be chatting with you today. (laughs) I love starting these conversations. So Tara and I were just chatting just a little bit before starting this recording, and I was telling her that I love beginning these interviews with how this connection happened to begin with. And I was thinking it was sooner because I feel like I've known you for most of my adult life, but you were telling me it was 2014 and that's so cool. So tell me a little bit about where you were at that time in your life. Oh my gosh. I remember our first phone call and I remember being like simultaneously so excited and nervous because I was like, she's so incredible and I can't wait to tell her about this. And, and what if it like, what if it comes out silly or so I remember that conversation and where I was. And, um, at that time I had built a, a superfood like 
supplement company with proteins and recovery drinks and things like that for um, athletics and all of that. And it was such an amazing endeavor just to get into that world and understand it better and, and all of that. So I no longer run that company, but that's where we were in 2014, rocking out to the tune of, hey, how can we get awesome nutrition in people's bodies? And then we connected on that. So I remember your protein powder was legit the best powder that I had ever had. And I like still think about it and miss it to this day. (laughs) Thank you. Me too, actually. (laughs) One of the things I admire so much about you that I saw from the get-go is you have this really beautiful combination of entrepreneurial drive and heart. And I feel like not always, but oftentimes people will trade those off because traditional sales often require that you commit someone that they need something that they don't think they need. And so we relinquish our heart a little bit. And one thing I've always admired and loved about you is that you've always been heart centered and heart forward in the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit, and I know these listeners want to know more about the cool stuff that you're doing, but I would love to learn more about your story and how you became this vibrant soul that I see before me today. Like, did you come out of the womb, this brilliant, (laughs) loving creature, or was it a journey? Like, tell me more about your story. Yeah, gosh. Um, so in college, I, I just remember getting, getting into college and being like, okay, I want to do something great. And, and I'm just going to sleep at night being like, I have this, I felt this burning passion, if you will. And I'm sure you can relate to that, like that, that burning or bubbling inside, like, okay. And at the time I didn't know what it was for. I was like, I feel all this emotion and energy and excitement. And I, I don't know why, like, where does it go? You know, it was great being in college and things like that, but, um, the party scene and thing just weren't, weren't really interesting to me. So, I remember one day seeing an overflowing trash bin and being like recycling, like, like trash is my passion and to get it to recycle it. Right. So I was able to build organizations at Arizona state. It was just, we were, I was in the right place at the right time. It was so ripe for it. And I got to start the student sustainability movement there. And through that process, you know, I didn't even know what a founder was. I remember like going and they're like, you can't, well, you can become a founder of an organization, like a little like student club. And I was like, a founder. I was like, does he mean a finder? Like, should I find something? (laughs) Just remember, (laughs) what what does that mean? Because I didn't necessarily set out thinking, oh, I want to, and entrepreneurship back then really wasn't a word. It was still a word you heard mostly in New York, right, of people on uh, taking big risks with big money. And it's very different today, the way it's changed. So that was really where it all started for me learning. I could start organizations and then I was in a leadership program and, oh, wow, I can build a nonprofit and I can actually merge all this bubbling inside of me with uh, tangible action movement. And so through college, it was fostered in such a powerful way within a structure, you know, because obviously that's such a huge institution and they have so many resources. And once I got out of school, I started building companies and then built another nonprofit uh, 
probably five years after that. And, you know, it's interesting once you're out of a huge space, like an institution with all the resources that are sprinkled around you, it's like, oh, okay. Like, how do I do this? You know, how does this happen? And so that really propelled me into really a decade long journey, um, all through my twenties of, okay, how do we, um, stay heart centered, not get lost and do it right and become successful and, you know, and integrating and weaving that. And the path was fascinating and really challenging and really inspiring. And it was able to help me shape that, um, unshakable internal understanding of who I am and what I believe in. I was just having a conversation the other day with somebody and they're like, well, cause they're younger and, and they're like, well, I don't know. I don't really like talking about things I don't believe in or like people just get so up in arms and there's a lot of things, you know, now that sometimes can bring us up in arms. And you just said, Hey, like you have to take that time to really discover where you feel in full alignment. And then once you're there, you can talk about anything cause you won't be threatened. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. I just want to learn versus, oh my gosh, somebody can shake my foundation. So yeah, that's kind of the winding journey of of today coming here. I love that you said unshakable internal and those words unshakable and internal. I feel like that takes so much grit. Mm, and I feel like so many people, which is interesting that you also use the words burning passion because I feel like we all have inside of us this burning desire for something greater. And if we don't find that grit, then sometimes that can just burn us up. And then we feel defeated and we feel afraid and we feel like we're being eaten alive by our emotions and whether it's anxiety or headaches or whatever it is that each individual experiences versus the work that you've done with your own personal story and that you help others do is you take that burning passion and you figure out how to have the vision to let it out into the world. So tell me, how did you get your grit? Oh, wow. That's an amazing question. Um, you know, and it, it, it's an ebb and a flow. It, it, well, it was such an ebb and a flow through, uh, okay, I, I got this. I, I know who I am, you know, especially in probably the first five years of my twenties. Like I, I wanted it so bad. And yet there was so much I didn't know. I didn't know. And so it was going at it. And then I just even remember like afternoons laying on my carpet, like looking up at my ceiling and crying and being like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And and just hearing that voice be like, okay, it's okay. Just get up and, and get up again. And that's something I realized that, you know, isn't talked about as much. It's like, we see, we see the pretty reels and we're aware of that. And I love and adore your work so much because you get into that grit of what's real, the, the intricacies, the fabric of like, Hey, actually everyone probably has like crying afternoons, their own version (laughs) on the floor. And, and sometimes it's afternoons and sometimes it's weeks and, and you, but you, you just keep getting up and you keep getting up again. And I believe we become forged through the fire, um, not trying to get around it or build a bridge over it. And when we get really clear with that and we're like, okay, it's okay. If it hurts a little bit, it's okay. If it's uncomfortable, it's okay. If I mess up and I break down in tears, you know, 
oh, that's actually great because now we're one step closer to exactly what we're creating in that momentum. And I believe all that just clears the momentum. And so it was a lot of that and just somehow staying connected enough to that willingness. And of course, people along the journey that are like, hey, you're not connected to your soul. You want to check that? (laughs) And those are such gifts. When those people come along, you're like, yes, yes, I do want to check that, you know? So um, I think that's really what's formed the grit. And, and still it's that, am I being forged through the fire right now? Yes. Or am I on the wrong path? And finding that deviation too has always been really important of, is it intuition or is it, Hey, like red light, let's let this, isn't it? Let's move a little bit. I love that term forged through the fire, first of all, because it's like that process, that burning on the inside. And then in order for that burning to leave us and emit outwards so that we can do these cool things, it we're being forged. The burning is coming out. And so you're talking about being forged through the fire and being in that emotion and being in that suffering, laying on your living room floor. And I've had lots of moments like that. I'm going to have lots more where I'm just like, laying on the floor crying and my cavapoos licking my tears and I'm just like bawling. And so I resonate with that. And you also talked about the being able to use discernment between like, okay, is this a red light? And these, these feelings I'm experiencing are telling me that I'm not going in the right direction, or is this something that's helping me get that next step closer? So tell me a little bit and we're kind of jumping ahead to some, probably some of this coaching work that you do, but tell me a little bit about how somebody who's listening to this might use discernment to figure that out. That's another great question. Like, yes, um, (laughs) I love it so much. So it's, I truly believe it's a body feeling and we connect into that body through the breath and through permission to ourselves saying, Hey, my body actually knows the answers and I actually can feel it or sense it or just have a knowing. And it is so inspiring when I'm sitting with clients and they're like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, awesome. Where do you feel the answer in your body? And oftentimes they'll say, I feel it in my head. Okay. Then we're probably dealing with straight logic here versus an actual, the body feeling right of coming from the heart or the gut first, which is really where we're wanting to be moving from because those are so intelligent and tuned in. And so connecting in first and foremost to that permission to yourself, like I give myself permission to know the best direction for me. Um, because oftentimes we live in a culture that says, look to everyone else besides yourself, not make a spreadsheet about it, right? Pros and cons, which nothing wrong with that. So awesome sometimes. And sometimes that can actually help us get to the place where we can listen to ourselves. Um, but starting with that permission and then moving into, Hey, okay. If I actually let myself feel, where do I feel it? Like, is it in my pinky finger (laughs) or is it in my head? Is it in my heart? Is it in my, you know, stomach, my solar plexus? area and how does that feel and we'll start to get really clear about okay there's a difference between the fluttering of like this is so scary and so right and uh, no I I want this to be the thing but it's not the thing (laughs) and we know when we're really clear and honest with ourselves Marsha Linehan who founded DBT talks about this is your wise mind And I love that you're going to the body because the body never lies. And 
in my personal experience, I'm kind of reflecting on your wisdom and thinking about when I was in 2015, I made a really big change and I decided to move to Michigan part-time and there was so much angst leading up to that decision. There was so much sadness, so much anxiety. I'd been in the desert for a decade and going back to the Midwest and having to function only on a part-time basis because Michigan wasn't licensed. And so I imagine that it would have been great if I'd have been coaching with you because I probably could have got to the answer so much more quickly. But I imagine for a lot of people, which was my story, is that going into the body can be so terrifying because when I was in that space, my body was anxious. My body was in turmoil because I wasn't listening. Mm. And so it was amplifying and getting louder and louder. And then just stopping and going into that place felt so very scary. And one of the questions that I've been asked a lot, and I would love to hear what you think, is what if I go into my body? What if I ask my wise mind? What if I look for the wisdom in my pinky finger or wherever it is, but it's so big and so tumultuous that I can't get out. Like the grief is so big. It's like a waterfall that never ends. What do you do for those people who are terrified to go into their bodies? Yeah, that's, that's so big. And um, the other way that I heard it, so I'm gonna actually answer that first and then we'll go here which is mm -hmm. if it's so big, if their answer is so big, almost like your answer was so big, right? Like, yes. oh, I like I don't think I want to go there because somewhere in me, I already know the answer. It's like massive and I'm not ready for that. So mm -hmm. just to address that is, um, in, and you don't have to be, you can be willing to hear it and then do nothing in the moment, right? Um, doing nothing long-term won't work because once you know <laughs> your, your alignment, right? So... Um, I would just put that there. So put a pin in that because I think sometimes it. like if I'm honest, then I have to do something instantly. You know, sometimes it's like getting out of a relationship or getting into a relationship, moving, shifting your practice, whatever. And it's like nothing right now. Just are, can we be honest with ourselves? So my experience, and um, it's definitely different coming from the realm of energy. Well, it's not different, but in terms, so I just want to be mindful of the way I answer and you can then contribute your answer because I'm really fascinated to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, my experience with that is when you go into it and it feels like it's never ending, if we're able to get a hundred percent present to it. Okay. But no, no perfection. I'm like a hundred percent. Well, if we're able to get as present as possible to it, it does end because it's not... Once we feel it, it releases. And if if we continue to feel it, I find, okay, maybe there's like a biochemistry thing going on that we need to balance. And otherwise, so there's that piece. So yes, that might need to be addressed. The other pieces, otherwise, if we just go there and we allow ourselves to feel like we've never felt before and go into it, it will start to dissipate. It's like magic. It's like, oh, you saw me, you're feeling me. Thank you. You're not pushing me down. You're not shoving me away. Now I can clear, and then there's so much space. <laughs> we can eat, pray, love. He's like, just make space, and the universe will rush in. And that's right. One of the only movie lines I can ever remember because I'm like, this man is so right, you know. And it's true. The vacuum is created. So that's the direction that I go. But tell me about, tell me about you, and how you answer that. 
I want to answer that. And I want to emphasize some things that you said that I really loved. And one thing that you said is that by simply acknowledging it doesn't require that you do something about it. And that's a really good message, I think, because so many of us feel obligated to do the journey with perfection. Mm -hmm. It's like, we get this data, we make the right change. We get this data, we make the right change. So I really appreciate and resonate with that. I also appreciate and resonate with your wisdom that oftentimes what we deny will amplify and what we suppress that's trying to express is just going to build up and build up. And so I love that. And by listening to the wise mind, listening to the body, listening to her and her wisdom and letting her speak, it makes room. Like you said, that vacuum, it will make room. And I love that because sometimes it can feel like it's never ending, but it does end. And um, an analogy is kind of coming to mind as you were talking, I was thinking about yesterday, my husband bought this giant, like 24 ounce of uh, soda water, just like bubbly water. Yeah. And I was trying to open it and it was like, so carbonated, like the bubbles were coming out and I was like, Oh, I don't want it to explode everywhere. So I just like slowly let it out. And like, literally Tara, this thing was just like hissing for like four and a half minutes. I was like, this is never going to end. <laughs> versus had I just taken off the cap and been like, I'll hold the space for you bubbly babes and just like, let it explode out. It might be a little messy, but there's towels. I can sop it up. I could call someone like you. You can help me mop it up. And then suddenly I have this beautiful empty vessel that I can put something else in. I love that so much. That's exactly it. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is seriously hissing forever. What I've told people, and I'm going to start to borrow your wisdom because I really, really like it. And what I've told people is that when we're going into our emotions, that number one is our emotions can't hurt us. Mm-hmm. Our anxiety can't hurt us. Love that. That. Our anxiety is our body's little canaries asking to be heard so that we can heal. And so to simply listen and hear them is such an act of mercy and an act of healing in and of itself. And so I love that wisdom that you shared. It's just like, just notice her, honor her, hold the space for her. And then sometimes the emotions are really deep. Sometimes we've been through a lot and we do have to ego waffle that off. It's like, okay, right now I'm jumping in the ego waffle where I'm unpacking and I'm crying and I'm screaming and I'm kicking and I'm, my body was burning when I was anxious. So I'm burning, whatever it is. And then we have to create a pattern interrupt And I teach about pattern interrupts and a lot of it does come from dialectical behavioral therapy, which is DBT, where it's like, okay, now, like you said, Tara, we have to tell the biology, we have to tell the nervous system, all right, you've gotten to share your piece. Thank you for sharing. And now we need to redirect, whether it's doing, going outside or putting ice cold packs on your face or exercising or inhaling aromatherapy, something to redirect your nervous system. Yes. And then you also touched on, is there a biological autonomic activation underneath of it that makes you more amplified that's contributing to these feelings? And so having a good healer, helper, doctor, clinician, coach yeah. to offer you wisdom about that. So I love, I love everything that you're saying. And so I'm curious about in your personal journey, you talked about 
developing this grit, having these moments where you're like laying on the floor, you're crying out, you're trying to figure it out, but you got back up. You got back up every single time. And what helped you do that when you're just stuck, you're crying, your emotions, you're experiencing it, you're in it. What helped you get back up? Yeah. And I, I love what you said about all of that and the pattern interrupts and, and creating that. And that's really what it was. And for me, um, my mind talked about it to myself <laughs> around mm-hmm. frequency, shifting the vibratory rate, right? Shifting that frequency. So utilizing, okay, music, I'm going to get up and dance. I'm going to use breath. I'm going to go cannonball in the pool. (laughs) And like you're saying, right. Okay. Get up, get up and shifting into a different vibratory state. And that's so fascinating to me when we think of it in that way, it's like, okay, music is vibration. We know that. And it's probably the easiest one to connect to because we can hear it. You can now on the computer, you can see they do, they like will show it, right. The resonance of it. Um, and so we think, okay, I want to shift that vibration. I've seen people even shift it so that they feel this certain way. And then they're like, I feel like a completely different person. This doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, so we went from a denser vibration to a less dense vibration. And it's almost like that existence doesn't currently exist. And if certain foods are consumed because they trigger certain memories or emotions, or that food itself is more dense in different ways or its vibratory rate changes, it can shift them into that space again. So that was really my process. Okay. What do I need to do to pattern interrupt, shift the frequency of the vibration and making it as fun as possible and knowing that I don't have to hold on. And I, I think that sometimes the mind is like, but I feel bad. So I can't just feel good. It's like, well, we can, right? Like it's a choice. Um, and I, the hardest thing in my opinion is actually making that choice, not shifting, not shifting right into that. So. Which brings me to one of the questions that I've been thinking of for you is we're talking about shifting. And one of the things that you help people with is shifting into their most authentic self and really helping clients identify the steps to take, the strategies to use. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Definitely. Absolutely. And so first we talk, we talk and we start with, hey, who do you feel like you are or how have you expressed yourself until now? And just asking yourself those questions or journaling those questions. And a lot of times we have tangible answers. I'm a mom, I'm a coach, I'm a doctor, right? And those are all awesome. They're part of our personalities. Uh, And then we continue on that journey of, okay, so what would it feel like to be consciousness? So what would it feel like to breathe the breath that we're experiencing or think the thoughts we're thinking without identifying? They talk a lot about it being, um, you know, being the observer of your thoughts, but not you're not really the thinker. So connecting, starting to connect into, okay, what if I was consciousness? And as that space, I can feel my body and I can hear my mind and I can feel my breath. And I'm the consciousness moving through all of those components. That is me that makes up this dense form of energy. So connecting into a reality of like, oh, maybe we're something a little bit different than we originally imagined. And then from here saying, okay, what brings me joy? 
how can my joy connect me to my authentic self? Because when we're in joy, we're often in that vibratory state or that frequency that just feels good. And then how do we find those things? Well, oftentimes if we think back to childhood, if we have a childhood that um, felt supportive and nurturing, we can think of things that really connected us to nature or our friends or ourselves. And, and if not, then we can say, okay, let's just, you can even like Google a list. It sounds so simple, but like, what is fun? I get that question a lot. I'm like, Hey, let's have more fun. Let's play. And people are like, I don't, I don't even know what's fun for me. I don't even know what playing looks like anymore. And just starting with simple things, going on hikes, putting on some music and dancing a little bit in your living room, which can even be super uncomfortable at first. Right. But we just try it. Even if it's like the finger dance, right? Like we'll just start somewhere. A head bob. Yeah. You know, love it. Yeah. Well, we let ourselves start to move and feel and express so we can connect into that deeper authenticity and joy. And then we'll start to see, okay, this brings me joy. Not so much joy. I feel happy when I do this. Not so much. And that will start to be our compass towards who, who and how do I want to express? And then we might find things we love and in six months be like, mm, eh, I'm good. Maybe it filled us up and there's new things and staying really open to that fluidity. I love that. I, so you're, I'm going to emphasize, so you're talking about finding joy and you're involving the mind, the spirit and the body in that conversation. So like the dancing and allowing it to be a little bit awkward. The other thing that I love that you said is like looking back and looking at your biography and seeing if there was a moment when you were able to like look at that fire inside of you. And one of the ways that I like to frame that is who were you before the world told you who you were? Yes. And so it's like finding your authentic self might require that we scrape away at the layers. It's like if you have a house that's been painted on the inside hundreds of times over the hundreds of years, you're scraping away each layer to find out what your core layer is. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. So steps like, so for people who are listening right now to find your authentic self, one of the steps is to do experimentation and really starting to number one is start to just journal or talk about or write about your story and then also pursuing joy. And I think that Tara is such an amazing suggestion because I think about my practice and my consultation work and I also think about the research coming out of positive psychology. And oftentimes people will go to a clinician and they feel worse when they leave because they just spent so much time talking about their problem yes. as opposed to creating what, the, what they want, creating their joy. And I love that you're hitting the nail on the head with a solution for that. I love that. And, and to that point, I would be so interested to hear, you know, how you direct people, um, just in, in that. So I worked alongside of trauma therapists for two and a half years doing breath work and energy work with their clients. Uh, and that was spectacularly humbling, incredible work. Um, and so it was fascinating with, okay, how, how much do we need to go into the past, the story, the experience, and um, 
how often do we not at all need to do that? Right. So it's like, it's this dance and I don't have a specific answer. I think it's different for everybody. I've seen people come into my office for energy work and with between the breathing, the energy movement, the dislodging of uh, the memory in the cells, et cetera, the process, we didn't really do much talking at all. And they found a totally revolutionary experience where other people seem to want to talk more. And so it's really fascinating to me because you have some healers that are like, you don't need to talk about it ever again at all. And I'm not totally sure I jive with that completely. I think there can be a lot of value in maybe getting it out and then committing not to retelling that story, rewriting your story. Um, so what are your thoughts? I, so the interesting thing is I've been thinking a lot about this and this is kind of an unexpected turn in this conversation. I love this. <laughs> and when we started, if we look at the history of clinical psychology, we started with a very heavy behaviorism type focus. Well, actually we started with Freud and then we, you know, that was psychoanalysis and then psychodrama. And then we had Jung coming out of that. And so, and I'm trained in Jungian analysis and like looking at dreams and looking at your family and your history. But then really what predominated is the work of Beck and Ellis and more of like a behavioristic CBT kind of logical, like you had this experience, let's talk it to death. And then let's tell you why your interpretation was wrong and make you more logical. And then suddenly this brilliant star in the trauma world named Francine Shapiro came out and started talking about the research into her theory called EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Yes. And the cool thing about EMDR is that you don't even have to talk while doing the processing. It's very somatic. And yes. so I remember when I was experiencing as a patient, my own EMDR, sometimes we would go into a session and I would just notice my body while we used the bilateral stimulation and did the EMDR. And I would wa I'd walk out, my body did a bunch of work and my brain hadn't thought of memories or logic or conversations. So I hadn't really said much, but I felt so much better. Yes. And the other thing is that sometimes people will use talking as an opportunity to bypass what's deeper. Yes. And I know I'm a, I fall, I fall victim to that. And I have a really good therapist now that I see. And she's like, okay, Nicole, you can talk for five minutes, but then we need to get into the ego state work. And <laughs> some like, people, right, girl. <laughs> she like reins me in, which is really good. And so I think there's value for some people. We have whole forms of psychology. That's like exposure therapy, where you talk about the trauma or you talk about the feelings and then people feel better. Other people, they feel re-traumatized and it's more stored in the body. And so I really like your wisdom of individualizing the treatment and maybe starting with that biography of who was I before the world told me who to be, what is my history, what is my story, and then going into the wise body and being like, okay, let's just notice that. Where do you feel it? And let's take it from there. Yeah. And I feel like as a clinician, you're taking a back seat and letting the, the patient drive a little bit more. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's, that's fascinating. Yes. So we're celebrating finding our true selves, finding our soul, finding that vibration. And so one of the things that I was really excited to ask you about is work that you do is okay. Part of being a human is being in life with other humans. And as women, 
finding our she tribe. In fact, there's this research study that was done where they talked about how having women friends is linked to longevity. So women who have girlfriends will live longer. Women who have sisters will live longer. Women who are in community with women live longer. Men who have women in their lives will live longer. They did not find that having man panions made us live longer. And so interesting. I know. And that could be like a whole other podcast that we do, but there's a lot of research. There's a lot of old wisdom on how women need other women, but also women can be really hard on other women. And so it's all about finding your tribe. And so I wanted to move on to that topic. And so tell me about how you came to the understanding that we need to find our tribe. Tell me about your experience with them. Absolutely. Um, so I grew up with a family member. We'll just put that there who had a lot of jealousy, mm-hmm. especially towards women. So by the time I was probably 18, 19, my paradigm was you judge women and you judge them harshly. You judge their success. You judge their looks. You judge. And I remember one day being like, oh, this is gross. <laughs> I feel dirty, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing this woman and she was stunning to me, like just beaming and glowing. And I don't know her or her story, never spoke to her, but I remember she just walked by with this elegance and this poise. And, and I was like, wow, okay, her. I would love to be like her when I'm older. I would love to know people like her. Hmm. Okay. And it sparked this internal dialogue of, I, I am choosing out of this realm and paradigm of jealousy, which is so prevalent today, naturally, because we're taught to compete with each other on so many subconscious in so many subconscious ways. And then I remember it showed back up for me in like when I was like 22 and I was dating this guy and this woman walked across the crosswalk and the guy I was dating was like, staring at her. I was like, could you just not do that while you're with me? And he's like, no, I will do that, but you have nothing to worry about. And you need to be confident in who you are. And I love you. And I'm with you and she's beautiful. So can we just get on the same page? And I was like, shock. Right. I was like, wow. (laughs) Actually. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, actually, yeah, we can totally, you know, he wasn't being rude. He wasn't being gross about it. He was just admiring her beauty. And I was like, I can I can do that too. And so after that, around 23, I founded a little group called the Elegant Warrior and bringing women together into a tribe. And I wrote out a code of sisterhood and just deeply in my own heart and soul and sharing with these women connected into this promise of, I will always have your back, whether I know you or I don't. Um, And just, there's a lot that mm-hmm. was right to it, but just this idea of a code of sisterhood. And if we can just stand with each other, then we can stand so strong. And it doesn't really move into the realm of like feminism or not at all man bashing, but just really connecting sister mm-hmm. to sister. And so built that and it was so transformational, transformational <laughs> because of the way I got to now see women and connect with women and tribe. And so choosing into and opting into that way of being and thinking, I'm just going to love women as much as possible. And every time I see one, if I can 
if I can genuinely compliment them on something, I'm going to do it. And, uh, just finding that. And it really shifted my way of being. And then it helped a lot of my clients over the years just say, Hey, like if we are willing to fully shine as we are first, we're going to obviously connect to the people who shine like us Mm -hmm. and we're going to be able to raise up the other people who are stuck in different mindsets. So that was how I sort of came into that space of just fierce sisterhood and then tribe building because it changes us. Like, just like you said, it really changes us. So somebody wants to build their tribe. So they're listening to this interview and they're like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Tara could do it. I can do it too. How can someone get started? What's the first step? So the very first thing I would say watch what piques your interest. So if you're on social media or you're watching or listening to something, and especially if you're feeling a little twingy with like jealousy or judginess, like, okay, actually, maybe those are the people that I want to connect with and be around, but maybe I don't feel good enough to. So just check that in our minds and, and start noting it. Okay. It's the people who are out in nature, hiking, camping, doing these things. Oh, it's the people who are really into fashion, whatever that is. So starting to just take that note. Okay. Who would it, would I like it to be? And then the second thing I would say is really starting to connect to your body and your joy. So you get to express as you, and you actually get to feel like when you start meeting these people, you're bringing you not a version of you that you think is more acceptable because who you are fully is the most acceptable because that's how you connect with the tribe. So those are the first two things I would definitely recommend. And then reach out, you know, meetup groups, very tangible, right? Meetup or Facebook or what's going on in your area or online right now. Um, and the minute I find we really dial into that intention and decide, okay, I'm building the tribe. It just starts to unfold for us. So we just have to pick up the cues and run with it. I love that you said who you are truly is the most acceptable and showing up in your most authentic way and your most authentic vibration and how that can impact who you're drawing into your life. And I also really, (laughs) you are just so wise. You're so good. This is like the interview for me. This is what I needed to hear is that if you have a reaction to somebody and you know, like, oh my gosh, I really admire her, but like, oh, I kind of want to just like stick it to her because she's so perfect and beautiful and amazing is that is an opportunity to grow as a woman, to grow in oneself and to see what it is about that experience that allows us to transform. And I found that actually some of my favorite women are people with whom I had that initial response. Yeah. And so it's really neat to hear you validate that because I find that it's exactly that. And there's a woman coming to mind who I vacillate between being really envious of and feeling a little bit inferior to and just like loving to pieces and admiring. And so it's this like interesting dance. And so being intentional, I'm kind of thinking out loud as I say this, like being intentional to be like, okay, so what's coming up? What is, what part of myself is asking to be heard? What part needs to be nurtured? And then how can I love on her and speak life and joy and sparkle into her to cultivate a blossoming, beautiful relationship. So I really, really appreciate that. You said that. I love that. And to add to that, the other component is uh, sometimes if we do check in and we're like, oh, I'm feeling this. However, 
I don't, I don't feel necessarily like I've got a trigger around it. It could be the way they're feeling about themselves that you're picking up on. And then we can pour even more love into them around that. Right. Like, oh, I'm feeling this. Oh, okay. Hey, I just love your hair. Your hair is so amazing. You know, like whatever it is, or often it's deeper than that, but just knowing, okay, if I'm searching and I'm not seeing uh, it's also possible that they're the ones projecting that onto themselves and you're reading that field and then you get to support them with that. So I just wanted to share that piece too, because as you were saying, like, I love how you're looking into yourself. Sometimes though, it's like, I can't, I can't get in there deep enough to find where it is. It's like, Oh, well, it's, it's actually not mine. I'm reading it. Okay, cool. Now I can take the other actions to support this person in that way. That's amazing. I love that because sometimes we can dig and dig and dig and it's just, it's the other person. And so I think that's really nice is to relinquish the responsibility of making every relationship work is that it's not all about me. Oh, that's awesome. So we've talked about the self. We've talked about how to go deep. We've talked about dwelling in our emotions and allowing that fire inside of us to burn out. We've talked about relationships. And the thing that I love that you've done is within your existence is you've managed to send that fire out into so many different things. And hence this beautiful bio that we started with today. And so I want to talk with you a little bit about what is true purpose work or following your dream and how can that help us be aligned in our lives? And so bringing the conversation to work and how we're showing up in our world. Definitely. I feel just so more and more, especially right now, and especially with the type of people that you attract in, there's this deep purpose and knowingness and the language around it being big or going bigger or taking, you know, quantum leaps, I think can almost steer us off path because a humongous purpose could be something that our society deems small or unworthy or whatever. Right. And so it's connecting into and saying yes to, okay, what is that thing? And oftentimes most of us, especially as women already know, <laughs> like we know what that is. If we just, again, coming back to that permission, allow ourselves to fully be that and feel that for me personally, energy work and coaching and med- energy medicine had to literally hit me over the head for like over, well, exactly a decade. Really? <laughs> like, Okay. Yeah, I get, I get it. I mean, I had to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of successes before I was like, yeah, I guess this is a thing I do because I wanted, I was like, seriously, God, universe source. Like, could you have given me something cooler? Like, I don't want to talk about this. This is too weird. You know, (laughs) I can't can't tell people what I do. No, no, no. Um, And so for me, it was this deep process of allowing. And I mean, mean, people are sending me clients and I'm like, ah, not really taking new clients. Meanwhile, I'm like, that would be really great. Like financially, it would be great. It would be great to be able to give this in this way, but I'm like, no. So it was just fascinating to watch how we will often just be pushing it off and pushing it off because 
for me, it was very innate and very, very easy. And I didn't value that. I valued internally. And I, I feel a lot of women have that. We value the harder it is, the more worthy I am. And mm-hmm. often it's in the ease where you're just like, this is so second nature to me. Often that's where the purpose lies. So it's not even this, like, I have to go on this big discovery to discover who I am and what my purpose is. It's already in you. It was built into you. It's encoded. It's right there. It's just saying, okay, all right, I'm ready. Okay. I'm at least ready to, to hear about it. Right. <laughs> Going back to what we said, we don't have to do anything about it, but connecting to that, because then as we let that out, that fire comes out instead of implodes, we get to shine who we really are, connect to our people, be uh, role models for the next generation. I don't have children myself, but I'm an aunt to like probably over a hundred kids. Cause I have my nonprofit and kids come all the time. And my question to myself is always, am like if, if this 10 year old were to know my deepest secrets, could I still be proud to be with them? And I don't tell 10 year olds my deepest secrets, but mm-hmm. just that point of, am I rock solid in who I am and how I'm showing up? And do I feel comfortable enough with that to be the kind of role model and woman I want to be for a growing generation who's looking for solidarity and strength and guidance and how to become themselves and be themselves. So really connecting in and allowing yourself to know it's encoded in who you are. Your purpose is super critical, whatever it is, and say yes. And the thing that's the easiest and most flowy and fun and brings you joy and kind of freaks you out, that's where all signs lead home. Right here, right? All signs lead home. So journaling on it, asking yourself the question, you know, if I could do anything, what am I doing? If what's my purpose, how can I share this with the world? Who can I talk to about it? Um, those types of things and ask, that would be my other biggest thing. Start asking other people you admire who are doing their thing, how they connected to it and then how, and then how they see you, right? How do you see me? What am I good at? And those are so important to ask because sometimes we're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not really good at anything. In reality, you're like the best chef ever. You're the best writer ever. You're the best snuggler ever with your kids. You know, you can tuck kids in like nobody's business. And maybe people have a hard time getting their kids to sleep. You know, it's like whatever that is. So, and I like that you said just because it is easy for you doesn't mean it's less valuable. And that's good for me to hear because I have so. I love to study the Enneagram. The Enneagram is, for those who haven't heard of it, it's, so the Myers-Briggs type indicator is this test we often give, we give to students in high schools. And it's where the introversion, extroversion, you know, those kinds of things came from. The Enneagram is intended to be a companion to the Myers-Briggs. And what it does is it looks at the way that we adapt to stress and trauma in our life. And so I love to look at the Enneagram and my Enneagram type is a three, which is the achiever. And the achiever often feels like their value comes from what they do and achieve, right? And so my particular flavor of Enneagram three achieverness is that if it's easy, then it's probably not valuable or unique and everybody else can do it. And so I keep looking for, to make it more and more complicated, like I'm, I'm, I have an anxiety freedom course. And when I was writing the course content, I was like on a slip and slide going straight off of a cliff into like, I was trying to teach people like 
the epigenetics of trauma and how to change gene expression when like people probably just wanted to know if rhodiola helps anxiety, (laughs) you know? And so I really appreciate you saying that, that (laughs) I can relate so much. (laughs) So maybe you're like, I got a little bit of three in you too. And yeah. And so I feel like what you're talking about is like, just find what makes you sparkle Ask other people if you don't know, do experiments. And it's not necessarily better if it's harder. It's probably more enjoyable for you if it's a little bit easy, because then you can just have fun with it and be in flow. And I wanted to add that there's a Japanese technique that people can use. It's called Ikagai. Are you familiar with that? No. Ikagai is about finding your soul's purpose, your life purpose. And they break it down into three components. And one is... What are you good at? The second is what are you passionate about? And the third is what the world values enough to pay you for. Oh, I I love that. I've heard of something similar, but not, I didn't know it was Japanese. That's cool. It's so nice because a lot of, a lot of young people who are trying to find themselves right now are, they're only in one of those Venn diagram cubes. You know, we want to look at the intersection of all three of those and they're just pursuing their passion. And then they're feeling frustrated because they're trying to make their passion into something that pays the bills. And then suddenly it's a responsibility and a job and it's paying the bills and it's not fun anymore. And so by creating an intersection where we can look at what are you good at? What are you passionate about? And what will the world pay you to do? I think that in conjunction with doing that inner work that you're talking about, because if you're in your most authentic vibration in a community of people who can mirror back your true self to you, you're going to be able to more easily answer those questions as opposed to if you're on a stressed treadmill or a slip and slide going off a cliff. (laughs) Absolutely. I love that. We'll have to definitely include those questions. So tell me what you're most passionate about right now. So we're talking about passion. We're talking about creation. We're talking about being a three on the Enneagram. And so tell me, what are you doing right now? What are you the most passionate about right now in your life? <sighs> yes. Uh, gosh, the most passionate about. I've got some ties for first, but, um, <laughs> you know, the thing I'm overall most passionate about day in and day out is supporting people and coming home to themselves and discovering just how incredibly powerful they are when we live from the inside out. And that's, so having a variety of mediums to support people in doing that. And I believe the physical body is one of those really important gateways to activating genius. And we can do that through food. And so currently I'm doing my nonprofit full-time where I have a one acre eco destination here in Mesa, Arizona. We've so far planted about 37 fruit trees and done about a thousand square feet of raised garden beds. And we have some aeroponic growing going and we're developing that out as a means to support people to reconnect to themselves and nature and each other through the magic and then bringing that really high vibrational, delicious food into the body to help activate that genius, which gives us, you know, more ideas and more clarity and more excitement because when the vessel's clear, woo, we, right? Like we are on that excitement. So 
this is my way to support the community, bring people together. I have a girl garden society where women, just women come together to um, sit out in the garden and just talk and connect and be with each other and be really real and authentic. And then they can bring their families on the weekends and volunteer. And so it's really cool to see everybody coming together and enjoying this space and growing internally with each other literal seeds in the ground. And I'm very passionate about supporting people and, and planting and, and their own food that's organic and powerful. Um, and, and then being able to tie that into my practice. And, um, when I take new clients, oftentimes they'll end up there as well, because it's really fun for them to integrate all of that. So, uh, right now my, my clear focus is on that. And then I have a mastermind of women called tune into your impact and women building their businesses. And we do it through the lens of tuning into yourself, gaining that clarity, and then utilizing that to build your brand and shine out there and really get your ideal um, connections with clients and things like that. So I've got both of those going on and super passionate about both just in different ways. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it sounds like they could really marry together quite well where, you know, somebody's like, working on their business, working on their soul, working on their body. And then they can go and they can be in the earth and they can put their fingers in the dirt and like feel that connection with, with mother earth and with Gaia and connect with other women. So how can people get involved? Oh, definitely. So um, brilliantplanet.org is our nonprofit. And uh, so we've got all of the amazing juicy information jump on the email list. We're sending emails out. We have tons of events coming up. Uh, and then tune into your impact.com is where the coaching is. And that's more of an application process just to see, Hey, are, is this what you need? Like, are we a great fit? How do you feel about the group? All of that. So you can check that out. I have some blogs and things up there too. So, uh, tune into your impact and then brilliantplanet.org. I love that. And I want to throw out a personal testimonial to Tara that, that you have been really authentic to your message from the get-go. I've gotten to be a witness to your life and to see over this past like 14 to 2021 is what it is right now. And to see that you show up authentically, that you're vulnerable, that you're speaking life, that you're connecting with women, that you're honest and I think that's really important when finding allies, when finding our tribe, when finding our sisterhood, finding our coaches, our helpers, is that are they walking the walk? Are they showing up for themselves and for their friends and community every single day? And it's like you said, we may get knocked down we may feel demoralized, or maybe we're getting red lights and we're trying to pursue our passion, but it isn't working out. And you get up every single day and you keep on pursuing. And so I want to honor and acknowledge that. And so if somebody is listening to this interview and if you're feeling stuck and if you feel like you just don't know what to do next, then I just encourage you, I'm going to put the links to our, these amazing websites in the bio and just simply click and look at them. And then I would say, follow her advice and look at your, feel your body. Like when you look at her content, see, do you resonate? Is there something inside of you that's giving you a green light? And if you do get that green light, if you feel in your body, 
that there may be a sense of sisterhood or a sense of like, oh my gosh, this might be good for me, then just simply reach out. Maybe you do a low impact, you get on the email list, you watch and see for a little bit, or maybe you apply for coaching. And so I just encourage you just to just to do a little bit of looking. You are worth it, sisters. As you're listening to this podcast, know that you are valuable and know that I'm giving my stamp of amazing sparkly unicornness on my sister here and she will take good care of you. And so before we finish up today, I can't believe it's been almost an hour, is do you have any last thoughts or parting words or wisdom that you want to make sure that we share? Oh, gosh. Um just, just be you <laughs> to all of our listeners. Like I, I feel that just so strongly, just be you because it's just like palpably glorious and gorgeous. And that is what the world is craving most. And thank you so much for having me today. This has been absolutely so fun <laughs> and exciting and wonderful. And you're amazing. I'm so grateful. just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Dr. Nicole Kane, a naturopathic doctor with a master's in clinical psychology. While these opinions are based upon literature, her counseling education, medical training, and clinical experience, this content should not be viewed as the definitive opinion on these subjects. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for any sort of medical, psychological, or other form of treatment. If you are in a crisis, please call 911 or call the National Suicide Prevention Line at one 1- 800-273-8255. If you're in need of counseling, don't hesitate to make an appointment with a counselor in your area. Dr. Nicole Kane is so passionate about people getting their life back. If this resonates with you and you think this podcast would help someone you love, please share it with them. Stay in the conversation with Dr. Nicole Kane about writing the next chapter of your life so that it plays out just the way you want it. Explore your options for working with her at www.drnicolekane.com. That's Dr. D-R, Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, Kane, C-A-I-N, dot com. When you're there, be sure to take advantage of the free Anxiety Freedom One Week Challenge. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Get Your Life Back podcast. Here's to your next chapter.